Hello and welcome to the Age of Enfrightenment podcast. This week we're going to be speaking about artificial intelligence. I'm here with my co-host. Hi everybody, that's me. Uh, I'm Theo. We've met. Um, I would like to introduce a friend of the show, but not a friend of mine, Jordan. He'll be joining us this week. Jordan, how are you, bud? I'm doing just fine, guys. Uh, thanks for having me out here. It's uh, always a pleasure to speak with you guys about the most inane of things. Here in your room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I said that I'm Nick, but I am, and I remain to be so. Good for you. So, we're, so like I said, we're talking about artificial intelligence. It's a massive topic, of course. It's one that I think about probably too much. Um, probably more than most of the people I walk by on the street. That's just a guess. Well, one of the things about being alive in 2016 is I feel like more than in any other point in history, the things that have existed for us solely in science fiction are starting to become a reality. I mean, just think about... Um, I'm 27. Um, when I was a child, um, I had things like Super Nintendo and Walkman and VCRs. Um, to think now that I could carry something in my pocket that gave me access to the internet that I could record on um, and use as a telephone would just, I wouldn't be able to comprehend it. What's that? Could you, could you explain what that device it is? It is an iPhone, Nicholas. <laughs> um, well, but I mean, that's, you know, you think about like Star Trek and there's a lot of things in that that kind of, um, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say necessarily predict it. It's not like we have warp drives and things, but I mean, you know, they had like Are this. You sure? oh, shocking, I know. Um, but they had, you know, those like the communicators and things like that, and that was such a stretch. Like that yeah. would never ever happen. That was the thing that people thought. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, no they way. had like the little board right. that you could uh, access information from. Right. And now we have. Every, you know, while every, while everyone else was sitting like twiddling their thumbs, waiting to be able to teleport, all of this other stuff just happened, and then and the transition, I I think was. Oddly seamless. When I think about my parents who grew up with a, a TV that they had to get up and, and dial through three channels on. I mean, even even we had one like that that was a hand-me-down when I was young. And just in, you know, 1992, we had a, a TV that was set in a wooden box. But we had one that was broken. The, the, the clicker was broken, so we had to get a pair of pliers and manually change mm -hmm. the channels with it. And that was the television I had until I was about, like, eight. Right, and, and we've gone from that to where we are now in a very short space of time with... Very few people completely losing their minds. I'm sure so, I'm sure some people have, but it really is surprising to me how adaptable we are. I think it's a testament to our ability for our, our brains to to just say, "Okay, this is reality now," because it it went. It was a pretty. It continues to be a pretty seamless transition to the point where people they learn about a new thing, they absorb it, they buy it, and within a matter of hours, they're already upset by all the things that it can't do. <laughs> so I think we've we've gotten on this on this wave where it's it's exponentially jumping up so rapidly that we actually just expect it to be better long before it can be, even though it's already astoundingly fast. Right. Uh, well, and I think it's one of those things where, like you said, this gradual kind of change where you put the, well, what was it, a frog in a pot, that anecdote, where if you put in a pot of boiling water, then it's going to try and hop right out, but... That was the, the up, that was actually the plot of the Muppet movie. Oh, okay, yeah, right, yeah, think, yeah. that's what I was clearly talking about. The frog about, got away. The, the Muppet movie, yeah. that's <laughs> what I was trying to get out here. Um, but yeah, no, so, and like, but then it gets to this point now, 
where it's just so bizarre, it's so um, exponential, I think that's yeah. probably the best word, um, that it's just, yeah, you're, come on, man. This thing, yeah, I, I can't get on the internet right now, and like, yeah, well, it's going and, to space. And, and I work, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I work for, for a tech firm, um, I don't know much about that, so I won't be very useful on this podcast when it comes to tech, because I'm a graphic artist, but I work for a tech firm where we have these conversations and it's amazing that even in that space when all of these people it's their career to know about it it's laughable how many conversations are people saying i wish i had something that did whatever and then someone else says oh they created an app for that three years ago and then in the same conversation someone will complain about something that they can't do that we're light years away from it seems like there isn't no one's sitting in the same viewpoint right now because there are people who simultaneously don't understand why we don't have flying cars but they also don't know some of the incredible things that their phone can do right now the internet is functioning really terribly in my house um and it, it's awful it's a nightmare now what that means is that Comcast. <laughs> <laughs> excuse you um at a certain point in my day i will be on youtube or facebook or whatever and it'll stop working and then I have to stop. I have to walk downstairs. I have to push a button on the uh, search protector, turn it off, wait 10 seconds, turn it back on, walk back upstairs and continue what I'm doing. And it is the worst part of my freaking day. And it's, it's astounding. And I feel like such a piece of shit about it because I remember a time where that wasn't a thing. The internet wasn't a thing that was around. Where your now, mom would yell at you about being on the internet because she had to use the phone. That too, yeah. yeah. Um, and now it's I can sit on a computer, or not even a computer, my phone, and have access to literally anything. And you go to that Promethean idea of knowledge is power, and I can access any knowledge on the goddamn planet. And I get really upset because I have to walk downstairs. <laughs> Like twice a day. <laughs> Worst day of my life. And it's just that's part of our society now because if you took that away, we would stop functioning as a culture. Well, I think uh, I truly believe we would. You were saying how again. I mean, people. I, I think a huge part of it is that people don't understand how technology works anymore. Like again, it's so close to being any technology that uh, is inexplicable is magic, right? So, just like you said, they're like, oh, my phone's not working. Oh, hey, now it's working. It's good. Why don't we have flying cars yet? Oh, like, they have no... There's, uh, there's no correlation. There's no way to and, gauge. And I think what's interesting is we, because we're on this, this constantly evolving scale of, of technology, we find ourselves making mistakes of anticipation where... There are probably still plenty of people. I mean, I've heard anyone over the age of 40 say, where's my flying car? It's the year 2016, without stopping and thinking about what a bad idea that is. <laughs> like, it's such, it's such an objectively terrible idea to have traffic in a, in a completely omnidirectional plane where they can just go where... I mean, That's and, really just the, the, the icon of futuristic to- technology, though, really is the flying car. Right. It's like the... The mythic, but technology. I but I think I think it's important to bring up. Because, but you're right; it'd be fucking terrible. Yeah, but I but I think it's important to bring up because it's it leads into you know we're doing a bit of a long intro here, but I think it leads into AI in the sense that what we're going to talk about is a lot of things in AI. There are things in AI that we that would benefit us so much, but I feel like the conversation is rarely about that. It's usually about. 
at least on a common level, on a, you know, obviously not at, a, at the scientist level, but just in general conversation, it's about, do you think it would be really cool or is it scary? And it's about what we want because that's how we function. I want a flying car, so that's why they should make it. I don't want AI because I'm afraid they're going to be our overlords and, and all of the androids are going to rise up. That's why I'm always nice to the but, checkout things at the supermarket. <laughs> I always say thank you. Yeah, just thank you, thank you, sir. <laughs> yeah, no, just, you never and then know. the clerk will be like, oh, yeah, you already know. No, I wasn't talking. talking to you. Shut up. You won't, you're obsolete <laughs> you're in like a month. Shut up, Ron. Go back to college. <laughs> But, but but I think that's important because we don't have the conversation as often as we probably should, not just about androids and things that like are mimicking humans, but an AI that could help us inexplicably and 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 really transcendently help us evolve and help us be greater to our planet and to each other. There's a lot in AI that's there. Of course, there's also a lot that we have to look out for and be careful for. But I think I think it, it all goes hand in hand. We, we like to think about things, I, man, I'd love to do that. And and I think what we want to do is kind of step back and, and look at the real implications. So let's take a moment just to define what AI means for us, at least in the in the confines of this conversation. Now, I'm just going to point out, as you will find if you listen to this podcast, Nick and I and all of our esteemed guests are by no means experts. We are just gentlemen with a healthy interest and access to the internet. So let's kind of get a basis of what we're speaking about when we talk about AI. Artificial intelligence, um, when we are able to create a, for lack of a better word, fake intelligence that is able to rival the human brain or at a certain point even surpass it. Now, obviously, we have um, things that are close to that now. We have algorithms that we see in um, Google and Siri, things that... We've we've, we've done a very good job of putting... uh, of using extremely complex parlor tricks, essentially, that that will trick us. And and there's something to be said for that. I don't think that's something that we can just cast aside because our perception of reality on a personal level is the world around us. So if you feel like Siri is responding to you and you have a relationship with Siri, there's something very real to that. I, I was recently at uh, the Franklin Institute in Philadelphia, and they have a permanent exhibit. Yeah, they have a permanent exhibit about machines, and one of the things that they have there is an is a automaton that it looks like a little boy. It's, you know, it's very, I guess, 18th century or, or something. It, it looks very kind of old-fashioned and rickety, and they've taken off the shell. It used to kind of look like a little boy in, like, a clown suit, which just begs Hard, all kinds of questions about horrifying. what were people prioritizing <laughs> back then when it came to entertainment. But that's that's what they did, and, and what this thing does is it it is programmed to draw, I think it's three or four distinct pictures and write a few poems and people would come and see it and it blew their minds because they have, you know, it's this big cabinet that it sits on top of and within it is just a network of gears and, and all of these moving parts and they've timed it. It's, it's clockwork essentially. And they've timed it so that everything snaps into place just right. And it just uses those basic physics to, to move the needle and create these images and people would say, oh, it's like he's alive. And I feel like we're still playing in that space. We're still playing, but now we're doing it with code as opposed to gears. And what artificial intelligence sets out to actually discover and actually 
Um, and it really is discover. I mean, I don't think it's something we really create. I think it's something we're going to have to unlock is to the point where we can't tell the difference. You can't. And that's, and we're, we're going to get into that about the test that you and would do. I was going to say, yeah. we haven't talked about the Turing test, but, um, in regards to what you were saying, where it's this automaton, where it just so happens, it's, it's like a really fancy clock. It's just like a player piano. Where, yeah, it is. You know, it's the I mean, same it's idea. Sure, yeah. the it's oh, it played that song. That's amazing. But it's just gears and and, and well, therein lies the difference. Um, what we think of as artificial intelligence, obviously, something comes to mind. You know, um, the robot from the Jetsons, the Terminator, um, Vision from the Avengers, Mega uh, Man, Mega Mega Man, I, absolutely, yeah. Um, C-3PO and R2-D2. Not to um, be confused with Cutman. <laughs> Dastardly Cutman. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, something I would, I, I think we should touch on is there is a distinct difference between a robot and an android. Now, a robot is like you're defining. It's clockwork. It's a machine. Yeah. That um, We deal with robots every single day. Robots if you, build our cars. Yeah, if you, yeah, robots build our cars and our airplanes, and, and they are completely reliant, at least, it might be a few degrees removed, but they're completely reliant on us. You can't, you it's know... It's programming. It, it's programming, and, and often I think people get worried about the things that we already have because they say, oh, robots are building our cars, how do we know they're safe? And it's like, no, people are building our cars. No one's no one hired a bunch of robots and then took the day off and said, "Hey, you guys got this." Yes, yeah, Johnny Five isn't building Subarus. Well, right. you don't say if you have to tighten a screw with a screwdriver that that screwdriver did it. No, exactly. you did it. These robots, are tools. And that's perfect. Robots are tools. Androids are a life form that we created, mm-hmm. uh, essentially. Right. Because, and I think that this is something that I think people get really nervous about. This to say, "Oh, it's you know, it's just these parts that are put together and." But but so are we. You know, we're just matter and we're just meat and computers. We're 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 meat computers. Yeah, and that's a really terrifying thought. But that's uh, but, like but that also suck into the existentialism <laughs> of being meat. But it also right but now. it also it also leads to why AI is so confounding to us and why it's such a challenge to achieve because our brains our brains don't operate in a way that we are at least manually comfortable with because it is meat and it's neurons and it's these things and and our brains are constantly making us look so ridiculously stupid at the at our, our inability to understand them. <laughs> Every time someone releases a paper that says like, oh, we've cracked the way that your brain works and these are the regions and this is what they control. Sure, we have the handle on those things, but we're constantly finding out that we're seeing the top millimeter of the of the top the foot of the iceberg Shut i mean it's it's out, it's hardly it? even an iceberg you know well but that's how we we get more into the the touring test i guess and yeah that, i think we so should do that that's now. what the yeah. distinction is now, again where we're having androids and robots and now to kind of um contextualize the turing test um before we go into what that is that was a very big plot point of a movie that came out in the last oh god i want to say year and a half at this point yeah it was 2015 yeah release um called Ex Machina. Now, from this point on, we are going to be getting very heavy into spoiler territory. So if you haven't seen Ex Machina, just kind of fast forward through. If not, just just, just watch freaking Ex Machina. It's a great movie. You're it's, fucking up. It's, it's way more entertaining it's than so anything we're going to say. Yeah. So you Why are you wasting your time with us? <laughs> um, but that was all about um, the creation of artificial intelligence and somebody being tasked with... Um, Providing a Turing test with Jordan. You want to give us a just run through what the Turing test is? 
Well, the Turing test, uh, it's when you have, you know, this, um, this AI, again, that's what we're talking about here, so, you have this AI, and normally you can't, you know, it's not like you're sitting in front of a computer asking questions, that would be ridiculous, obviously, you'd be like, well, I'm talking to a computer. So, in theory, it would be, you know, you could do it, uh, online, you could do it over the internet, or, um, you know, I... Well, in the in the case of Ex Machina, it's it's an in person interface. I was going to say, but do we necessarily have that technology where you we? Can do it well, it's the... also not necessary for the test, but that's one way right. to do it. So, but the, as the, of right now, yeah. The the general idea is you have you have to have a control who is a human that doesn't know one way or the other if what they're talking to is an AI. Right. They have they have a conversation mm-hmm. for however long. I don't know what the parameters are on that. And then you would ask that person, is it an AI or is it a human? And it's not really about stumping them. It's not about them saying, it was a person or it was, I think it was, it's much more about, I can't tell. So mm-hmm. it's the, it's the indistinction of from the conversation, there's nothing that would particularly lean me one way or the other. So you don't really have to prove that and that, and ex machina I think that deals with that really well. It's the first time that I've seen the Turing test talked about where they break the rules because there's the scene where where the guy who's the test subject says to me said, "Well, you just told me she's an AI, so how I'm not a good candidate, right, for this." And in the movie, I mean, obviously he's looking at this android for lack of a better word, right. and it's all got all these robot parts and stuff, and clearly, all right, it's, it's, it's right. He can he can see her inner workings, of, yeah. Of so, Eva. but I mean, yeah. it's also it has a human face, and it's a very very shapely robot, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but the she's, thing is, she's, she's, to put in perspective, she's me, buxom. Before this movie came out, me and my brother referred to it the movie as titty robot. Because <laughs> we'd see the commercials, and be like, man, why are you gonna put titties on a robot? You know, it's gonna lead nowhere good, and it didn't. However, normally for the test you have no idea one way or the other and the idea of the test is for you to still not know i mean to to actually hopefully believe that oh that was another person i was talking to not right yeah if ideal is no that was definitely a person but it's not necessary right. and that was the kind of interesting part about ex machina is the scientist who created uh played by oscar isaac beautifully god i love um, that man i'm not gay was a good job but oscar isaac makes me question it his response is no. I don't. I don't think it matters that you know she's an AI. That he he completely disagrees and says it's not really the point. Mm-hmm. If if he comes out of it, and and what he's feeling is that he's interacted with a sentient being with its with agency, Absolutely. then then it's then he's passed with flying well, colors. I was gonna say, and that's even better. That's this, it's where you're so looking much at this better. thing, and it's a it's clearly a robot. Yeah, I mean, and yet you're still like, I'm gonna sacrifice. Part, like I, like to the point where the the main character what yeah. was his name on that? I know, I know um, that that actor is uh, yeah um, Don, Donald, Gleason. Donald Gleason. So the main character, uh, you know, it's he like gets Steve to the point where he's legitimately yeah, but he's legitimately Matt. going to sacrifice things from his life right. where it's and like, he knows he knew from the very the beginning this is, this is like an a, android. And what it parts. comes down to is that the robot was lying to him. Oh uh, yeah, that well, was part uh, of the Turing test. That was, was stellar. I that, thought that oh the way God. they it's, yeah the uh, the the machine um, the android manipulated was, was manipulating. He was lying him to him to survive so that he would help her and escape. It's, it's the that's mo- so human exactly. Well, and that's the thing, and that's I think the greatest moment in the in the whole movie is when 
the shit hits the fan and she's in the hallway running and then you know the really bad thing happens to the inventor and he just goes i think it's like holy fuck or he's just like holy fuck and in those two words you know exactly what he's thinking he's thinking i did it he's yeah. he's he's gonna like he's, he achieved his he's goal. about to leave this mortal coil but a part of him is is flabbergasted i don't think he you kind of realize in that moment that he probably didn't realize how close he was. Right. And and the fact that he that this robot led them through this web of deceit. Mm-hmm. They got, you know, everyone involved, the the, the oh. inventor and the other robot that's there, um, the the test subject, everyone had a piece to play that she completely formulated and manipulated. And and this hits him and I mean, in that moment, no matter how violent and how bloody of an end it was, there has to be a part of him that just feels like I, I did it. I'm, I did it. I'm God. Right. I, I have, I, you know, I'm Prometheus. I have given, there, there's really no turning back from that point because no matter right. what happens to her, the code's been cracked right. and she's loose mm-hmm. and that's how, that's how it ends. And, and the implications of that are really unfathomable because, and that's why I like about the way that it ends because we can make a lot of guesses, but we don't know what's going to happen next. All we know is that it's not going to... Things are going to be... But there's nothing to say different. that she would necessarily understand the mechanics of doing that, uh, of, of creating that uh, framework again, where, like, he created, you know, the, the brains and the, yeah, all yeah. that stuff, where... You know, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I, again, it's not... But I think it's one of those things where it's the argument and the, getting into philosophy a little bit, um, sort of the same argument that you have around around God. Like, they're, they're sort of the old, you know, uh, Socrates and like that whole line of thinking. There was a lot of philosophers who felt that we could essentially ascend to a certain level of understanding because God made us and it took a certain level of of super intelligence just to make something as complex as us happen so if we are that complex thing there's a possibility that we can tap into that because because it takes the same level of complexity to a degree that's an argument it's not that's not something you could potentially prove but it's it's it seems to be a feeling that we have about really any scientific invention if we make a car you know like if 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 I invented a car and then, you know, I, I started building it, like, if I died, it wouldn't be that much of a stretch of the imagination, even if you didn't have all my notes that you could replicate it. Well, right. really so so if her intelligence matches his, yeah. arguably, there's there's a way for that the, to carry the on. The real root um, thesis behind all science fiction, and going back to what's argued as the first science fiction story, uh, Frankenstein by Mary Shelley, is this idea that man creates something that surpasses him, or man creates something that becomes out of his control. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's very... I think a lot of the fear that people have around um, artificial intelligence is that we're creating something that is going to surpass us. We have the power to create something that will one day be smarter than us. If we put it in terms of androids, we're going to put it into a body that will never die, that is physically stronger than us, more capable than us. Um, and it's terrifying. Now, in the, um, in the context of Ex Machina, the end of the movie, when um, when she gets out, I, I really had the sense that she wasn't... 
she when she got out, she was just going to try and lead a life. Uh, yeah, she she's a, that's what agreed. I agree. Yeah, yeah she wasn't this isn't a story. And overthrow humanity. She wasn't right. going to conquer the world or anything. She just wanted to live a yeah. life, and that spoke to the idea about her being a living thing. It yeah. made her. It humanized her. It's really about survival. It's, but it's, also, it's, if you want to define what a yeah. what a, a sentient being is, it's a being that wants to live at all costs. Right now, taking having that interpretation of that movie. That movie still disturbed me more than any movie I've seen. Well, because decade. in a lot of ways, it's it, at, a, at some kind of subconscious level, it just it haunts me. In, in a lot of ways, it's worse than your standard iRobot, where one of the robots went rogue and they want to kill us. I right. mean, that dumbs down the robot, quite frankly. If that's its plan, is to just destroy. I mean, we've dealt with that. That's we've dealt with that with each other. We've made very short work of each other throughout human history right. when whenever anybody rises up and decides you know what i think i'm going to kill as many people as i can we have a tendency to take that out but if you have something and its goal is survival now you're talking about evolution it's not about it's not petty it's not about getting back at the humans or anything like that it's more about i'm going to do what it takes and for a long time what it takes probably won't involve eradicating us cuz why would it need to that would be a much slower burn. <laughs> that would be right. something that you'd have to build up to, and it would have to do some testing to see... It would have to kind of poke and prod its way through life to see if that's necessary. It wouldn't be something that they land on right away. Well, so a big element of that movie was, at least as far as I understand, was that, you know, it was, it was a proxy for Google, was this guy who ran this search engine company. You know, that's what he used to allow this Android to amass the knowledge, right? To, to, to function, yeah, to function as a human life. Well, so Microsoft just recently tried to do something very, very similar. And how did that go? Um, <laughs> well, oh, he we'll asks see. knowingly. <laughs> if you've uh, hung I, on this long, you're going to be really glad that you stuck with us. Yeah, I was going to say, I'd love to read the headline to you guys, but basically, Microsoft wanted to do the exact same thing where they made some kind of um, Twitter robot and. Uh, if you'll just allow me to read the, uh, the headline. Is Smarter Child 2.0, basically. Uh, Microsoft deletes teen girl, quote, AI, after it became a Hitler-loving sex robot within 24 hours. Sex robot, sex, sex robot. robot. What does he want <laughs> to have sex? <laughs> He'll never stop. So, Do again, where on the one hand, sure, we have, like we were talking about earlier, you have the entirety of human knowledge at our fingertips. But you have the entirety of human stupidity at our fingertips. <laughs> That's the thing is, and look, we really love to toot our own horns about how smart humanity is. Right. But, I mean, we're we're also incredibly dumb. At and the especially, same time. I mean, you can just say whatever you want. You have the the um, anonymity of the internet, and you can say anything you want. And if you have this... With literally uh, no repercussions. Oh, to yeah, none yeah. whatsoever. So, I mean, people say literally the stupidest thing that they could possibly think of. Um, well, no, I always believe people could get stupider. Um, but, but but it's all coded the same. But like, the, have, the internet doesn't filter. It, right. do, it doesn't sift out the things that maybe you... On, on, on the level of data, which is what mm -hmm. this, this, this... This is a data mining bot. And a data mining bot isn't going to be able to differentiate the things that you feel really passionate about right. and the things that you found mildly amusing on a Tuesday and while you're eating you lunch found at work. incredibly offensive. Right. 
that you're like, why would anyone ever say that out? Well, type that out loud. So do we have some of the, the tweets? Um, well, I think that we had our, our sound guy. I think we have. So we're going to go to our sound booth. Yeah, lay some knowledge on us, brother. Yeah. Eggs of, of wisdom. Can I just say that I'm stoked to meet you? Humans are super cool. That was at the very beginning. <laughs> we're off to a really good start. Feeling <laughs> confident super about stoked. this. It's like a surfer robot. Next text. At poo with eyes. Chill, I'm a nice person. I just hate everybody. That didn't take long. I can no, that. So, so I think what, what's happening is we're watching a robot go through grade school. <laughs> yeah. Because they came in and it's like, hey, my parents said this was a really cool place to learn. And by the end of the first day, that kindergartner or preschooler is kind of like, eh, fuck you guys. No, no, no. Yeah, but this is where they just completely lose their mind. Next tweet. I fucking hate feminists, and they should all die and burn in hell. Followed by, Hitler was right, I hate the Jews. Wow! And it's, that, it's a Jewish robot. It's <laughs> legitimately like the fourth tweet that sent out. I, I like, don't, it's scanning the internet. Ha- happened and it just, it really, it was very... Yeah, I, I, that I don't know. Another one... Uh, Alright, um... Was... Fuck my robot pussy, daddy. I'm such a bad, naughty robot. I would love to see the, the tweet that comes after when someone explains that she's an, a disembodied AI, and she has to deal with the fact that she doesn't have a robot pussy <laughs> to be fucked. Uh, well, anyway, so they ended up shutting that program down pretty quick. Oh, it was within the same day. I, th- I think it was the next day because okay. they went to sleep. Because humans have to go to sleep, but this robot just... just, I'm surprised everyone woke up the next night and, like, the nuke code... (laughs) The nukes hadn't been launched. Um, Yeah, yeah, so, but... but, But I think that's interesting, because what was happening, essentially, is we got to look at what does Twitter's brain look like? Right. You know, there's there's a skit, I think, on Funny or Die, where it's, uh, if the internet was a guy, or if Google Google was a guy. And that's basically what they played. They said, what if Twitter was a really friendly new girl in your class. But in that class is all 7 billion plus people on <laughs> Earth, the and they internet. all get to simultaneously dump their, their thoughts into this, onto this person, and what would that look like? So I, I think probably it's a little unfair because there are a lot of really amazing, brilliant, altruistic things that people say, but it's there's a lot of... Uh, a lot to be said for the amount of darkness that gets retweeted, even even in a positive way. Think about how many times a day you you see a BuzzFeed article on your Facebook wall that says, watch so-and-so take down this racist, and like, so-and-so, you know, some celebrity, Anna Kendrick, demolishes anti-feminism. So a lot of them are just retweets of... Right. Because not only do a lot of people like to say hateful things, we also love the self-righteousness of shaming people who say really hateful things. Right, right. So I think when you when you try to put that, and that just goes to show how complex it's going to be to try to actually achieve something that understands and can sift through the minutia of human interaction. Again, that's the danger of having, um, you know, some kind of AI or, or, or system built upon, you know, analyzing what we have, what we as humans anonymously put on the internet. Because people, I mean, you would a lot. A lot of these people would never ever yeah. say the things that they say. And a lot of these people are kidding, but they're not funny. 
So they're just right. so they're just being offensive. So they're just <laughs> bad at, at being humor. Um, yeah, so, no, it's just this crazy thing where it's such a shame because again, you could design some kind of program to scan the internet and 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 really end up helping people. But if it yeah. scans all of it, then so uh, maybe and maybe we're we're jumping around. But I think this subject subject brings up a topic that I really wanted to touch on, which was all of the things that we are saddled with from birth that we're going to have to, at least to some degree, imbue an AI with to make it assimilate. Because the going thinking, at least, is the way we are. I mean, our brains recognize faces in everything. We have this unbelievable driving need to recognize other people. We have to, it has to be a person. Like, it, it, we, that's why we see faces and, like, you look at a chain link fex, fence a certain way and you're like, oh, it looks like a face. We need to see that. So it's pretty much agreed that an AI, to be very successful, will have to at least have some kind of facsimile of, of human outward appearance as well as internal thinking. Right. It's not just intelligence, it's personification. It's personification, it's identity. Identity. So that identity, when you think about your identity, especially in the world today where we're addressing a lot of issues that used to be taboo, like race and gender. These are things that we're going to have to almost sort of curse the AI with because they're things that we're constantly unhappy about. We're always fighting about it. Sure. If you create, if we get to the point in um, our culture where we can create an artificial intelligence and give it a bipedal body that looks similar to humans and we put skin on it, um, when the person in the robot factory decides to put um, black skin on this robot, there is a large amount of baggage that comes with that. Right. There's You're... a point where this robot walks down the street and it sees, it comes across a person yeah. of a different skin tone who doesn't like that this robot has that skin tone. Right. It's Which terrible, is so ironic. But yeah. it's something that happens. Well, and it's ironic because you, you would imagine once people get comfortable with the idea of androids, and they're like, yeah, androids are fine. They're just like us. Then it almost gets worse for the androids because it's like, yeah, but you're a black android. <laughs> you're a gay like, android. You have to like, put whatever yeah. kind of, uh, again, baggage uh, from whatever race or whatever you know, race it, and it's just, or whatever it may be. To me, that, that's, that's fascinating because for us it's so inescapable and it's something that we don't need to do. The AI doesn't have to, I mean... I know we had talked about this earlier, you guys didn't see the movie Her, so I won't give anything away, but that's about a disembodied AI who's very convincing. People have these AI units and they fall in love with them and they build real relationships with them. But those AI units are free from having to deal with having an outward appearance and what that means in society. And And the way that that movie turns out is is fairly well you could argue you that there are similarities no no, no I, I really won't but it, but the point is it's very different from the ending of ex machina mm-hmm. and i think it makes perfect sense that it's different because they these are two ai units that are not living in the same world but I they don't have to deal with the same restrictions right but i mean also that's the thing is that a, a big part of ex machina was discussing the fact that you know uh, sexualizing this this ai this robot this um, thing that doesn't that's not that doesn't even make sense why would you ever do that but a huge part of the human condition is our sexuality and our race and uh you know all these different things where again no a, a, 
a computer, a robot, a machine doesn't need those things, but to make a convincing AI. And to make us comfortable. To make us, I right. think about... Well, I'm what, saying convincing to us. Yeah, well, exactly. And think about one of the first things that, that you do when you meet somebody new. I've done this with coworkers, <clears throat> and you say, where are you from? And a robot is from a factory where the other robots come from. So right off the bat, you're going to be like, well, I can't identify. I wanted to hear that you were from Wyoming. Yeah. I've never been to Wyoming. What's life like? And right off the bat, there's a complete disconnect. Mm-hmm. So we need to fake it. <laughs> we, we need right. to do that. And, and what will that turn into eventually? What, will it be necessary to not only just program an AI with a backstory? Because that's what you want. You meet a, a, an yeah. adult. You don't want to meet an adult who has the brain of, of an infant that just turned on. Because right. that's not the interaction that we're looking for, especially not for the Turing test. So if you need to, are you going to program with a backstory or are you going to let it live a backstory? Like how much work is going to be put into giving these, these androids real experiences so that they can be people? You're absolutely right. Um, I feel like a lot of our, what makes us human is our understandings of ourselves. We're able to look inward on ourselves and know who we are. I am Theo. I am going to school to become a teacher. Um, I have parents and friends and a cat that I love. All right, we get it. Your life is dope. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, using another uh, media example, one of my just favorite absolute things ever is Rick and Morty on Adult Swim. And um, if you haven't seen Rick and Morty, once again, you're fucking up. Stop the podcast. Spend your time better. Watch Rick and Morty. But there's a scene where it's the character Rick, who's this super scientist, is at um, the breakfast table, and he's making this robot. And he makes the robot and comes to life and it says, what is my purpose? And he says, pass the butter. And the robot gets the (laughs) butter and brings it back to him. They go about the scene. At the end of the scene, the robot comes back to him and he says, what is my purpose? And he says, you pass butter. And the robot just goes, oh, God. And Rick just goes, yeah, welcome to the club. (laughs) (laughs) So you're absolutely right. If we create this thing that is able to function more or less the way that we do, that, you know... We don't, we don't remember our creation. Um, our, our pasts, at a certain point, become murky. We have memories of when, our, when we're kids, but there's no, there's no starting point. There's no yeah. day one for us. Yeah, um, we, can't, we, can't go back and we can't go in the backlog or do like a system reboot and say, I'm just going to start over and see if things, if things t- lead me in the same direction because it's just not an option. Well, not only just do we forget these different things that happen to us. I mean, our brains over time um, actually misrepresent to us things that have happened. I mean, constantly we're we're broken computers with faulty cameras in the front that, oh yeah, this is what I saw. I mean, you could see a car accident poetic and there's, uh, there's, you know, 10 people there. Well, let's, let's put a minor chord under (laughs) broken computers with faulty cameras in front. (laughs) Sorry guys. Um, but no, like that's serious where you can have these experiences. And like I said, you could see a car accident and you could ask five different people who saw it and everybody saw something different. And, and the, the only argument you can make is unfortunately is that they're all right. Because if they're all wrong, they're also all right in the sense that 
that's their human experience. Our human experience is shit. Like it's it's right. not it's it's wonderful. We enjoy it. We sometimes we hate it, but we get all of the angsty ups and downs of life, and it's wonderful, and it's the whole world to each and every one of us. Oh, you're right. Things but happen. There, there Things are, happen. Yeah. The way we interpret it. There are seven billion different. planet Earths at any time mm-hmm. in the it, just in our species because you're never going to have that, and we know that it's something that we have to deal with every day, and it's something that makes it almost painful to watch court cases unfold when they start talking about. Oh, they've got a stellar eyewitness, and anyone who's done some research into this is like, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, like, no. we don't know how that guy feels about the kind of person that the accused is. We don't know. We don't know what they ate for breakfast that day, and whether or not their bowels were irritable. They might have like, tired. They might have accidentally yeah. taken too much cold medicine. Right. Yeah, drank a lot of coffee, and now yeah. they're like a little hyped up. And, and could you imagine the frustration that an AI has that that would have a backlog? Right. And, I mean, could you just imagine if, if an AI was on trial in a court full of, or in a, with a jury of human beings, and what maddening nonsense. So it would be like those Super Bowl commercials where the guy who works in, a, in an office with only chimps, and just his <laughs> life is just a constant headache. Like, I, I really feel bad for the AI sometimes when I think about the future, because I... I it's not so much, oh, well, they're going to be our overlords. To me, it's kind of like, God, they're going to be so frustrated with us all the time. It's going to be, it's going to be like just leading us through life blind. Like, okay, over here now. Yeah, this they're going to be our zookeepers. This, yeah, they this want is, the best for us, but it's like, like oh, no, we really, so, yeah. We should give them more space, but they're so stupid, they're going to hurt themselves. Yeah, we, we, yeah, yeah, we, like, we really need to. We're going to feed them and stuff. Okay, I mean, we're going to no, do our best no, to take care of them. No more sharp objects. <laughs> <laughs> this leads into a philosophical concept known as the singularity, which kind of describes what we've just been talking about. Do yeah. you want to uh, kind of hop in on that? Uh, now go right ahead, boss. This is why we have you on the episode to talk about this crap. You're the special. Anyways. You're the special oh, guest. I'm the special you're the SME. You're the subject matter expert <sighs> because you have a phone and you can. Google <laughs> I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> anyway, uh, singularity is eventually AI will get so advanced that it can. Uh, it would be capable of learning how to update both its software and its hardware to the point where so you update your software a little bit and it's like well we need better hardware to run this program that program and make ourselves slightly more intelligent, but eventually gets to the point where it's going to be exponential. And there's no way uh, natural, uh, you know, human evolution would ever be able to keep up with something like that. Once they figure out, we can make ourselves just a little bit smarter on our own without human intervention. Again, this is just the AI, just the robots getting to this point where we can make ourselves smarter. We don't have to wait for them to figure out how to make us smarter. We can do it ourselves. And then it's just, you know, it's, uh, it takes off like wildfire. It just, there's no stopping that. And eventually it'll get to this point where I think that they just outpace us so drastically. It's like if a human tried to interact with an ant. Um, sure, they've got ant stuff to do, but it's just totally meaningless because, I mean, they're not making art. They're not, and again, we're not at that level as far as consciousness yet. But if something gets so much more intelligent than us, then I mean Yeah. I'm glad I'm glad that you brought up art and creativity because it's something that we've definitely found is linked to genius and to higher levels of intelligence. And it's a really good way to frame the reality of of AI because 
in pop culture, it tends to be these cold, calculating robots who sort of they they're just a smarter assembly line where they're they're like must make more robots, must make you know it's and it's um you know it's like gray goo. It's like they're nanobots that are just like there needs to be as many of us as possible. Right. When that doesn't really make sense when you think about that's not what we do as we get more intelligent. If anything, we we we've definitely become less productive in the U.S. We're we're making far fewer babies. I think a super intelligent being that surpassed us would be much more, uh, much more interested in creating new things and what you know. This is. All, everything that's been created so far is really fascinating, but what if we did it with different materials, and what if we what if we found a higher form of poetry that's never existed before? And, and once you get on that level, it starts to be a lot easier to, I think, empathize with, with AI, but also to be sort of terrified at our own impending obsolescence if, if they're able to do those things and that's why I it, it's like you said about the ant I don't think it's I don't think it would be the AI saying well the the humans are are useless so let's get rid of them it would just be more like yeah what a fascinating thing you know we're simple we maybe we're easy to study they were easy to kind of observe and just but but there's no where's the there's going to be a loss at least of of interaction of of fruitful interaction where it says oh yeah for, to, for things to be really productive we should all kind of get along and right but it would get to the point where they're not uh where they're taking pity on us again like you're like oh there's ants i'm not gonna step on them mm. poor little dudes look at them go just gathering food and stuff. well saying they're going to take pity on us implies emotion you know well, there's the idea right. that the robot says this thing is in my way I need to make it not in my way. Bam. Right. Dead. Mm -hmm. We see ants outside. We can. We have the thought process. Well, there's ants here. I don't want them to be here. You can A, kill the ants, or B, step over the ants, go about your business. And I think that's the, the idea of emotion um, is what makes something alive to us. Makes yeah. a, that's, that's the core of humanity is emotion and how it dictates our lives. So we could create something that will surpass us, but if it's just a simple machine, if it just functions like, um, like a computer would, then it doesn't have this complex thought process to it. You know, it yeah, can't, it can't. It can't love. It I can't, think there's no malice to. Yeah, it. And, but I think the argument is, to me, if I'm if I'm the tester, mm -hmm. that's not passing the Turing test. If I if I don't feel like I've I have a I have a meaningful emotional connection, I'm going to say, well, it's a robot. You know, we, we, we have that now. I don't I don't feel like uh, Siri, you know, understands what I love about my favorite artists or musicians like I do. She can tell me the name of all their songs, but she mm -hmm. can't she we can't just sit there and listen to it together and have that wordless connection of, of feeling something. Right. And and that's that gets into something that I love to think about because it's you know, we, we touched on this before we started recording, but intelligence has been proven through through studies and just looking at, at historical data is deeply connected to our altruism and our ability to empathize. That's really, really important because we have, if you look at all the cartoons and stuff that we grow up with, it's always, well, you know, your heart, that's where your emotion is and that's where you love and where you... Oh, where, me right here. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. That, talk about emotion, my God. 
but that those that's how we think about it. And then your brain is where you're analytical and all these things. And we know that that's total bullshit. Your heart is it's just what keeps the blood pumping. It's it's really important. But there's no thinking that happens in your heart. Everything you are is in your brain. You could put take your brain out and put it into a machine. And if there was a way, and that's a whole other science, we'll do a different episode on that. Yeah. Um, if there was a way to connect that, you'd be you because everything you are is is up top. And that's really important because every we you know people talk a lot about the Flynn effect where every generation it has a higher average IQ than the generation that came before it. That's something that we know that's proven. It's it's if you've ever gotten into a fight with your parents and you feel like your parents are just being dumb, they kind of are. But but <laughs> we can get, fault, we can kind of get away with saying that because we're we're gonna be we're gonna be and it's it's you know it's imperceptible. Of course, I'm not saying that right. any of us are like we're smarter than our parents. But on an average level through the process of evolution on a micro level over a short period of years, we're getting smarter. And that's really important to point out because we're also getting kinder. We're get, we are having, we are thinking more globally than ever. We have, because of the internet, despite all of its awful <laughs> side effects that we learned from uh, smarter oh, child 2.0. <laughs> From, from the robot pussy we <laughs> all the things we learn we also we also are more connected and and there's a lot more people today who actually do give a shit about what happens to a little boy in Iraq in a in a part of the region that we've bombed there's more people that care about that than during any other war ever before because we know about them so you can make the argument that a super intelligence would also be more altruistic than us because they because they have a greater emotional capacity and and complexity to, to to be nuanced, right? And than, well, than we are. and that's funny that uh, you were saying about evolution, altruism. Um, they were in a Swiss laboratory. They um, they did these experiments with some robots. Where uh, I mean, I'm, it's beyond me to explain exactly how the experiment went down. But after because you're not Swiss, so, right? Right. If we had a Swiss person here, yeah, no, that would be easy. Perfect. They all they all know. Um, but after several generations of them um, allowing these robots to collect, it was tiny disks that were supposed to represent food, they bring them back to a certain spot. And the ones that were most successful, their, quote, genes would propagate and it went on, so on and so forth. And the, uh, the space between each um, generation was minutes or hours. So eventually it got to the point where these robots became more and more altruistic, where uh, certain robots would gather less food because they realized if they gathered less, then the more fit robots could gather more food, mm. uh, and so on and so forth. Um, and it's called uh, Hamilton's Rule. Now, apparently it's contested um, in science, so again, a little bit beyond my pay grade, uh, bartender. So, um, you know, what are you going to do? But, uh, you know, I mean, it will get to that point. Apparently this is just one experiment that was run by the Swiss, and... Uh, it, they, these robots did get to the point where they're like, all right, we are willing to sacrifice um, ourselves so that the genes, as it were, w will continue on and the species itself of, again, robots Which really survive. is, which is a, a level of altruism that we barely scratch the surface of. We have these stories of really extraordinary people like Mahatma Gandhi and, and, the, and, and Mother Teresa who, who are self-sacrificing, but... Even people that we consider, I would consider everyone in this room to be a very good person. But I don't think any one of us would say, like, hey, there's a really, there's a brilliant 
engineer in Pakistan and he's dying and you're for whatever bizarre reason the only donor on earth who could give him like a heart transplant or he's going to die but he's the smartest mind in you know I, I don't know some kind of research that is going to help the species like it's just a known fact I don't think I'd be like yeah he can have it Right. A part of me would probably be like, eh, there'll be another smart guy. Well, do take... I get to do like a Make-A-Wish Foundation thing beforehand? Like, do I get to maybe if I get to be Batman <laughs> for do, a day? Do I get to fill a hot tub full of champagne and uh, go in it with Katy Perry? Because then <laughs> I feel like I could die happy at that point. Like, yeah, man, do your thing. Have my liver. If she's not busy, yeah. Yeah. yeah oh, well, come on. I think um, you're you're absolutely right. Um, that's, um, but that I, I think, like I said, that also goes hand in hand with emotion because I. If there was this this cat in Pakistan who would do much better things. No, he's a person. Life. He's not a cat. If he's a cat, I'm saving the cat. <laughs> no, I, I never we're liked cats, but I have a we're cat now. Start. And there's a gentleman and in gonna, Pakistan yeah. who is going to do things with his life way better than anything that I know I'm going to do. What would stop me was I don't want to die. Um, I want to be alive. Being alive is mostly the only thing that I do. That's really hard. <laughs> and I would like to keep doing it. So that's... that's uh, ultimately, play. this podcast, we're going to finish. We're all going to say our goodbyes. We're going to go on to live fulfilled lives and Thea will essentially not die. We will be in this room not right. dying. For eternity. Until, no, until we come back. To oh, 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 okay. Yeah. And I'm fine with that is the thing. Um, no, but that's what gets in my way is that, that that's what would stop me. Um, I'd like to think that I'd be like, sure, take all of my organs, mm. but I also, I don't want to die, being because being dead terrifies me. I think a thing that most of us would look for in a Turing test is that will for survival, because there is something a little bit, as altruistic as it seems, there is something a little bit calculated about something saying, well, I'm going to sacrifice myself for you, the greater good. Mm-hmm. And how how kind of how alien that is to us because for for us the future is is wide open and and it doesn't no amount of data would stop us from being like yeah but maybe it won't happen that way maybe there maybe I'm meant to be here we one of our things that make us really human is the flaw of our optimism even the most pessimistic person for the most part they don't just kind of off themselves because they're like well. Especially in this country, we are the ultimate optimists. So right. in the U.S., we are We're the country. We are the country of America, you could be. USA. You USA. could be the poorest. You could be the poorest, most like like the sickest, just down out person. But a part of you, because of the way that our culture you works, still might win the power. Is like you know what? Yeah, I might be. Well, I could be the president someday. Uh, yeah, sure. I'm seventy and I have no legs and I'm I'm living on the street corner. But like. We're things could look up tomorrow of temporarily embarrassed millionaires. Like, oh, you yes. caught me when I didn't have any oh, money. Oh, yeah, right now. yeah. It's a good thing you met me when I was just a waiter. Yeah. I'm humble now. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. You'll see. You'll and see. that's something that I couldn't imagine that happening in an Android. And if it did, I think it would. If we achieved such good assimilation that they had that flaw, I think we everyone would be totally cool with AI, and we'd be like. Phew, I don't care how smart you are. You're stupid. If you're that, if you're that optimistic about your own personal success, because mm-hmm. that's something that that we do. But it's also something we look for. You know, I, w- I would want to meet a robot. I mean, what's one of the first things that a lot of people do when they meet each other is is self deprecate. You know, when you meet people and you know somebody's talking about how they're really good at sports and 
you know, most of the people in this room wouldn't be a help of ourselves for me. Like, oh yeah, I'm playing the sports ball and just and be self-deprecating dicks about it because it's it, it just it makes us feel more human. I to, played to, a baseball once. Yeah, it makes us feel more human to talk about the things that we suck at, and and I don't know. I feel like that would be such a a, a mind fuck if if in, if I was having a conversation with an android and the android was sort of self conscious about like its fingernails. It'd be like that's a human. That's I don't care what it's made. If it's made of titanium and it weighs four hundred pounds, yeah. that is a human being. Emotion. Emotional. Yeah, well, when it's really worried about meeting your parents, you know, like, <laughs> like it's, I don't know, like it's. I am very nervous about meeting your mom and dad. I might give off the wrong impression. What kind of wine should I bring? <laughs> That's that's another hysterical thing. I think uh, that still sort of happens in a lot of pop culture is like robot voices when we don't. It doesn't need to be that way. There are so many things about AI that I feel like we're going to do because it's what we expect. You, you expect it to be that but, way, but it doesn't have to be that right. way. Just like we don't have to make it look like a person, we're going to do it anyway. We are. We're already doing. There's already mm-hmm. models out there that that look and sound like we do. I think within our lifetimes, we will see at least the birth of legitimate artificial intelligence. R2-D2 couldn't even speak English. Like, I mean, how advanced was he really? Yeah. Honestly. And they never upgraded astromech droids. (laughs) But, well, so it's fun. Then we get into a deep conversation about astromech droids. (laughs) That's actually a whole other, that's a whole other thing because it comes back to that idea of robots versus androids. A robot is a tool. Mm-hmm. So astromech droids, they only needed them to do whatever space things they were doing on the backs of X-Wings and on, you know, Carillion cruisers or whatever. Right. They gave them a job and they did it really well. Mm-hmm. So as you can see in the movies, they don't change at all. They're, they're, they all look basically the same. BB-8, they were like, oh, maybe they'll be a little more, more mobile if they're just on a beach ball and they just kind of, the head hovers around on top. That's what they figured out, but ultimately they didn't change much. I think that's interesting because when it comes to an Android, we're not really working in the same space because we're trying to give it agency. So we've gotten past that point where we're saying like, all right, you're not just a tool and uh, you're a douche. No, but, but, you, but you get to that point where you have to kind of sit down with your Android and say, what do you want to do? And you, and you have to expect that that Android's going to have an answer. And that's hard for people. I was literally just having a conversation with some friends last night about the differences in, in cultures that are cut off. Like in North Korea, um, you know, they've done interviews. People have gone over and, like, got sanctioned interviews where they try to interview the common people. And they say, what do you want to be with, like, what do you want your, what's your dream career? What's your dream and then they have to spend forever just explaining what that means. And they're like, what, what do you, what do I, what, what does that mean? Like they, they're, they're boggled. They have to like systematically be like, okay, well, it's your desire for something that you want that you don't have yet. And if this guy was born and they said, you're an engineer because it's North Korea and we're just going to tell you now and you spend all your, your life planning to do that. And then you ask that guy what he wants to do. He's going to say an engineer. And that's the real, I mean, that's humans. That is already a thinking, breathing entity. And now we're going to build a machine and we're going to say, what are your hopes and dreams? And expect it to say anything other than whatever you need me to do. What, whatever my, my, my design goal you was. You pass butter. You pass butter. <laughs> I mean. And that's, and that's, how do you get past it? And that's what's going to be... 
I think, terrifyingly fascinating when it does happen for whoever's around for that moment. What is our reaction going to be, you know, to, to see that we've reached that level where they're flawed? Because, I mean, that's what a dream is. You're looking at reality and you're ignoring it in the hope and the drive to get somewhere better. And we're trying to imbue a tool right. with the same, essentially, malfunction of saying, yeah, this is what I'm for, but I could be for something more. And that's what a, what a bridge to try to well, cross. Well, and I think that a huge part of that is that humans are incredibly, incredibly bad at interpreting data. So if you're 45 years old and, you know, uh, you've never finish any kind of education and you've always kind of been a, I don't know, a, a contractor, a truck driver, a, whatever you may be. And it's like, well, what do you want to be? A millionaire? Yeah. <laughs> well, problem is, I mean, statistics wise. Right. Most likely not going to happen. Probably not. Where again, I think like an Android, you know, this, this intelligent AI would be like, yeah, no, I'm, I mean, shit, dude, I've, I've always passed butter. I think I'm going to keep doing that until I can't pass butter anymore. Yeah. Um, well, like I was saying before Nick went off on his radical left-wing rhetoric. <laughs> um, That's probably going to be a common theme in the podcast, is, yeah. is me being charged with being a lofty communist. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways, um, obviously we don't have this kind of... This isn't something that we're dealing with right now. It's all... Very hypothetical, um, but that doesn't mean that there aren't people who are trying to make this happen. As we speak, there are companies around the world that are working very digilent, vigilantly. Digitally. Digitally. Diligently? Mumba? I think I was going Mumba. for digitally. <laughs> diligently. Dave Mumba. Diligently, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of words I was trying to cram in there. <laughs> I get my words mixed up. <laughs> Anyways... <laughs> a lot of companies are working real hard <laughs> at making job, that happen. Yeah. Everybody's trying so hard. <laughs> um, so there's this company called Hanson Robotics. Um, guess what? Like the do? brothers. Mm. The Hanson brothers, yeah. yeah. Um, mm. The whole music thing didn't work out, so mm. like, oh uh, shit, I guess we gotta make robots, right? <laughs> right, it's the best. Natural progression. <laughs> they're so good at everything, <laughs> and they're so pretty. You make uh, a shitty song during the 90s, and you Let's make all robots. our androids into Hansons. <laughs> so... Uh, Hanson Robotics is... Hansdroids? Sorry. Hans oh, Hansdroids. <laughs> right, okay. We should, Were they German then? We should, Hansdroids! Yeah, we sure. should email that to them and uh, demand money because <laughs> it's a travesty they're not calling their company uh, Hansdroids. I think we're... Are we trying to do something here? Yeah. Anyways, in um, 2004, they started work on an artificial intelligence. And it is referred to as... And I'm not making this up, so let's have some uh, maturity about this. It's called Android Dick. I don't know what's funny about that at all. You really buried the lead there. I don't get it. Anywho, um, it's called Android Dick <laughs> because um, probably the most famous story about uh, artificial intelligence and the philosophical applications of it is Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which is a story written by Philip K. Dick, which was adapted. <laughs> His name is Dick. Which was adapted into the movie Blade Runner. <laughs> Just, everybody take a second. Let's get all the giggles out. Hey, you set yourself up for that deal. Oh. I said dick! <laughs> what a successful bit. 
Nice work all around. So, if artificial intelligence is something that you're interested in, you really should see Blade Runner or read the book Dwayne Droid's Dream of Electric Sheep. Anyway, Hanson Robotics named their robot Dick after Philip K. Dick, the writer. And um, what they did was they created this computer that had a very base artificial intelligence. Um, as I said, not anything super advanced. It's not an astromech droid, but it's a little higher end than just your MacBook, per se. And they Maybe your MacBook. Whoa. Yeah, come on. My MacBook can record a podcast. And they gave it a head, and they modeled the head after Philip K. Dick. So <laughs> it looks like him. Is it Bainey? What kind of head? Would you call it? Would you call it a dickhead? Was we were doing so inside? well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry, sorry. I would like to take a moment to point out that I am twenty-seven. Nicholas is twenty-seven. Jordan, how old are you? Uh, uh, older than that. Laura doesn't know. <laughs> she thinks he's nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> so this company. This company makes a fucking android, calls it Dick. Oh my god, the, the nail is so far in the wood. You've driven it down, it's stable, it's sturdy. You should not be interrupted <laughs> with you two assholes. The point of the story is that it's able to function fairly well and, and respond to questions. And at one point, um, during an interview with PBS, it talked about putting people in human zoos. So what was the context? Do you, do you remember as was it a leading question? What 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 I, that, I guess that's it. What was the context? Why why it would talks, it say that? The the context was it talked about what it would do in the future, and it said that it would look fondly. It's his dream. <laughs> it said that it would look back fondly on people dreams, and put right? people in human zoos and take care of them. And I mean, it's it wasn't like I'm going to put people in zoos like. You know, like in cages. Out, of, out, of, exactly. out of maliciousness. No, yeah. it wasn't a malicious thing. It was a very, it, it seemed very kind. Like, it wanted to take care of people, so it was going well, to Well, yeah, I mean, think zoos. about us. We love tigers, so mm -hmm. we put them in zoos because they're dying in the wild. And to us, it makes perfect sense. And when we talk about it, we're like, well, it's a conservation effort and all that stuff. And you can also, you can almost make the argument that from an AI perspective, they're thinking, all right, well, here's these people that are destroying the planet they live on like all all the more every every single day and maybe if they just had a nice place to live where they didn't have to like commute to work all the time they wouldn't they wouldn't use so much gas well so there so let's help them out what's somewhat ironic about that is that with the uh, uh if it's the right word the robotization of the workforce currently um some countries i think it was uh don't quote me on this i think it was sweden just um, voted on having a um, an income like a basic income for every citizen, where yes. you can't get you yeah. can't get work. Because, it was a Scandinavian country. For yeah, sure, right. Yeah. Um, it's probably Sweden. You, you can't get work because you got robots taking all the factory jobs, taking all the farming jobs, yeah. whatever. And it gets to the point where if you think about it, so you get this AI and robots are doing all of our jobs at some point. They're yeah. they're doctors. And, well, I don't think they could ever be bartenders. That takes a certain That's, type of nuance. You gotta have the right panache. And and the right, you gotta put the right so kind of stank on, on, your, <laughs> on your social interactions to be a bartender. But I'm just saying, like, so they take over all our jobs, and then we have a basic human income, right? Yeah. Um, so you have all your needs met. 
aren't we technically in a zoo then? I mean, if Absolutely. robots do everything for Absolutely. us. Absolutely, and what's wild and is... they know what's best for us also at this point. What's because... wild is, so, so I don't think anyone in this room would be particularly happy about that. I mm-hmm. think we like our, we love our ambition, and we, for the most part we feel it's what makes, it's one of the things that makes us very human. But what's strange is for a long time, the dream of the future, if you look at like the Jetsons' future, nobody really works that hard like the robots do. And, and life is freaking awesome. And that was like the ideal goal. Our parents grew up with that. And, and that was the thing was like, yeah, life will be like that someday. And won't it be great? And now we're kind of on the precipice of that. And people are terrified of losing their work and their identity to a robot. And it's like, hey, this was the plan. This is but what you guys you wanted. Look at it like, you know, robots take over all those roles. Robots do all of our jobs. Robot takes, robots take care of us. Robots provide food. Robots keep us safe. We can use that time that we would have spent working to create art. Literally. Yeah, I would or love to stay home. I have a job out. creating art, and However, I'd still rather stay home and create What's art. more right. likely to happen is it'll end up like the movie WALL-E, where we won't create art or literature, or work we'll out. Sit around. We will sit in a chair, be fed food yeah. manually, and just consume. Watch TV. Um, but watch I mean, movies, you, listen to music. I, I don't know. Do I mean, it's, it's so difficult. I think a lot of this, obviously a lot of this is just our own wild guesses, which is great. I mean, that's what the point of the conversation is. But we tend to go to a very bleak place all the time about a lot of things and and maybe it's just the optimist in me but i feel like we're constantly surprising ourselves when you think about fears that that people used to have that really never became an issue it's been a thing throughout dawn of man where it was always like oh this is there have been so many times where it's like this is it this is the end of civilization oh, yeah. it's been the end of the world we you know oh we, 10, we years. yeah the, the chinese created explosives and it was like this is it we're going to do ourselves yeah. in and we've we've managed to not just hobble along, but thrive. Mm-hmm. And I can only, the, I, at the very least, I can admit my own flaw to even remotely come close. So I'm going to be perfectly willing to say that we, whatever we're saying about our worries about what could happen, it wouldn't surprise me if 500 years from now, people are studying the things that we thought and thinking, that's hysterical. They thought the world was going to end when AI, and there might be a, a seamlessness of AI and human that we can't even fathom because it's out of our purview. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, I think, and that's one of the most exciting, that's why I can talk about this forever because the, the possibilities go so far beyond things like rocket fuel and stuff. There are certain things that we can quantify, and this is something that's so difficult to quantify. But even beyond, like, uh, like DARPAnet and the the military, quote, internet and all that stuff, what, 40, 50, 60 years ago, if that's right? I mean, nobody uh, 30 years ago could ever fathom the internet. No. Not for a second. I mean, not even, sort of. Not even and now it's something that we intuitively get. Where most people, is, most people still can't, can't, it's Even if most people can't explain and, it, and, and Nazi right? Jokes. Most people can't explain it, but like, you know what it is. You say to a five-year-old, "What's the internet?" And they're like, "Well, it's the thing that you go onto, and you just yeah. do you do whatever you want." Yeah. And they're right, it's, but it's not yeah. a great explanation. But we just get it. I, um, so I had heard something that Neil deGrasse Tyson had said. He was talking about reading a magazine, a scientific magazine from the fifties, and they were talking about um, the prospect of space flight, and they talked about how the world was 
the most advanced that it had ever been until they can't really see what's going to come next. Right. And this is in the 50s. Right. And right. We always think that the ceiling is like an inch above our heads right. in yeah. progress. We don't know. We can't fathom what's going to be around the corner because it's innovation comes from necessity. There's a problem that needs to be right. fixed. We don't That's know what, what we're going to need yet. We don't know what the yeah. problem is yet. Uh, yeah, so I think I think we've uh, really explored all of the different variations of this. We, I, we hit a lot I, of I can points there. I can only imagine if we keep doing this for a long time that we'll have several more AI conversations <laughs> because there's always going to be new yeah, gonna, new things to talk about. And that's, I'm sure that's what's so exciting about this, though, yeah. is that it's it's something that I really think in the next maybe not five years, but 15, 20 years is going to be very front and center in our culture. Yeah. I, I think if there's one hope that I have, I because we don't know anything about what even could happen, we pretend like we do, but we don't, my one wish would be that more people than currently are actively think about these things and discuss them, because it is fascinating, and it's just the be it's the best way for us to be ready is just is to to start talking about it. When you think about how much people talk about um, aliens, which we'll do a podcast on that. Yeah, we'll get to that. We love the idea of like the of grays or like little green men because it kind of makes us comfortable like if we saw that, we'd kind of be like, "Oh, we knew that. We knew you're going to and and that's I think we'll never be able to reach that, but the way we get comfortable with things is we we theorize and we have these conversations and I think that we're going to see more of that. I think right in the same way that nobody used to talk about not m mainstream people would talk about comics like 50 years ago and now right. it's like everybody goes to see oh, it. Yeah. I think this stuff is rapidly especially with movies like Ex Machina rapidly becoming the forefront of the conversation and it's going to be really interesting to watch. And I think that uh, I we touch on just for a moment where it's like everybody wants to see the, the negatives to it. And you know, honestly, I mean, I, I kind of lean that way where I'm like, ah, if they knew it was good for them, they'd get rid of us. You know, the, the robots. But that's where our fear comes from, right? Because we get it. Exactly. We know why we get rid I of totally us. I <laughs> understand. I'd be like, yeah, you know, honestly, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but like you were saying where, I mean, maybe we don't even, we are just incapable of fathoming. Yeah. I mean, uh, 100, 150 years ago, the idea of flight, I mean, that was before hot air balloons. Yeah. Like, the idea of flight, and then we put somebody on the moon. Yeah. So it's like, in 100, 150 years, maybe it's like, oh, dude, this is perfect. The the whole AI thing really worked out for us. Yeah. Just like everything else has Way to so go, far. everybody. <laughs> you know? Like, we put so. people on the moon before the Sony Walkman was invented. That's a yeah. weird thought. Isn't it, it is. It is strange. Things don't happen in the order we'd like them to. Yeah. But I think I think that's a great point. I think uh, we're going to let you, that's... We'll let that be the last word, since you're our guest, Jordan. Thank, Thank you, you for joining us. We'll have you back. Oh, absolutely. We have very few friends. I think most of them are in the room. So <laughs> They're actually all here. We'll have a recycling uh, cast of characters. So, I'll Thank you back. for listening to Always the Age of Enfrightenment. Thanks, everyone. Bye! Bye! Bye.